Starting the week off with a point on the road. Now Albion get back on the motorway again, head to Watford, looking to get one over on their former manager. We'll discuss the Bristol City trip, look ahead to that jaunt to Vicarage Road, and we'll talk about Millwall on Saturday as well, as well as answering all your questions on this week's Baggies broadcast. Good morning to you all. Well, good Monday morning to you all. My name is Johnny Jury. I'm back with the Baggies broadcast. And again, I'm on my own coxie sipping cocktails with his new wife on a beach somewhere in the uh, in Thailand. Um, and he's left me. Everyone else has left me. So apologies, Alvin fans, for what I'm going to say to you next. We've uh, we've had to sort of scout around for our options. We've we've looked into the to the barrel. I haven't quite scraped the bottom of the barrel, but there's a section down there labelled Wolves. So I've gone into that and I've had to pull out a, uh, a guest presenter today from one of our other podcasts here at The Express and Star. You'll all know him. So when this episode comes out, do give him a bit of a Twitter stick because he loves a bit of social media stick, does this man? Um, so he's going to be presenting things today. I'm going to slide over into the Lewis Cox chair um, and hand over to your your host, Mr. Nathan Judah. How, uh, how are things going? Pastor Conded over to the better side of the black country today. I mean... Good morning. You've literally <laughs> gone for the dregs. I mean, you must have you must have really, really uh, looked around, and zero people are available because that this is this is the lowest of all. No one else was this available, is, unfortunately. Oh my good god! I mean, yeah, I'm I'm all, I'm good, mate. I'm the first first baggies broadcast of the season, probably my last. Um, but um, no, all good, mate. Monday morning, I'm just getting over the. Uh, the three-one defeat to Liverpool. Everything looked good at, at uh, halftime. I'm sure Buggies fans were um, were really pushing. Oh, there's for, a big um, cheer. There's a big cheer coming yeah. up from the away end at Ashton Gate and halftime results. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't an ideal afternoon for Wolves. But yeah, like I say, I'm sure you boys were were quite happy. And uh, look, it could be um, the way it's going at this moment in time. It could be a Wolves versus West Brom Black Country derby back in the Championship next year. I mean, goodness me, it's uh, it's not looking good, Brev, as the as the cool kids say. <laughs> It's not indeed. Is this your first Baggies broadcast presenting, or have you been on the Baggies broadcast no, before? No, no, I've done, I've done Baggies broadcast a few times, mate, yeah. back in the day. Well, I mean, if, we, if we're going back into the Hatfield days, yeah, I've done it a few times. Um, so um, maybe, maybe we might even have a little, just because it's my probably one and, and probably my only one of the season. Well, I don't know. How long's Coxie off for? Two months, two or three months, is he? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll depend. We'll see what his schedule's like for the rest of the season. Where's he got Thailand? Thailand. He's had some stick. Andy Johnson has been laying into to Coxie, oh. as he does every week. But he can't believe that Coxie's organised a wedding in the middle of a season. To it's be fair, he organised the wedding in international break, so he's done well. But he's not happy. He's going to be getting some serious stick in the Albion press box when he returns. Well, it doesn't matter if you've organised the wedding in international week when you're going on to Thailand for three weeks. I mean, <laughs> out. Crikey. I tell you what. He's got to stick to some safe bars there because there's some interesting bars there, some interesting sites in Thailand. I don't know if you've been there. I've, been there, I've never been, especially on a no. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. You don't want to go to a few table tennis clubs. They're not table tennis clubs, put it that way. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. We better, we better move on. Let's talk then. Uh, yeah, host me, expert you. Uh, loosely, loose, loosely said expert. No, no, no. Come on, come on. You are the expert today, Mr Drury. Uh, Bristol City nil. West Bromwich Albion nil. But look, I mean, you know, people will say see that scoreline and go, oh, bore draw. But it was anything but, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not a, um, yeah, I had a few texts over the weekend saying sort of long trip for a nil-nil. But it was a long trip, but not 
it wasn't a nil-nil game. If it was two all, if it was three all, um, or if it was any other scoreline, you know, you, you you wouldn't have argued really. It was it was less than boring. Um, it was a little bit shoddy in places in the first half. It was exciting in the second. It could have been a Bristol win. It could have been an Albion win. Mm. As it was, it was a nil-nil draw. But I don't think Albion will probably have another nil-nil draw like that this season. And I, I think we've got to take it as a you know a good point. You know, people will criticise. You know, and we'll talk about that throughout the episode, but. <laughs> You know, it's a point. It's where Albion are at the moment. They're a work in progress. Um, and I think a point against Bristol, who've got, you know, lofty ambitions of their own. Don't get me wrong. I think Albion should be beating teams like Bristol City. But um, they've got they've got ambitions of their own. And, uh, and yeah, probably a good point. And, yeah, move on to Wednesday and Saturday and, and try and build on that. What do you think of City's ground? Do you think it was a decent ground? Is it enjoyable to go to? From what I remember, it's kind of a... It's it's kind of like a little bit out, isn't it, of the city, and it's just near those ring roads. But yeah. it's a decent job once you get in there. There's I like it. Boot trucks outside, etc. I like it, although it's like Newcastle. You have to go up about eight million steps to get to where we sit, and then you have to come oh, down. Yeah. And then there's a lift, mate. There's an elephant. There's an elephant. Oh, I know, yeah, but you know, as Albion fans know, I'm training for a London marathon, so I was like, right, I'll get me steps in, get oh, a bit of training I like in. It. Um, yeah. But yeah, once you've gone down, once you've gone up. And then gone back down and then gone back up after speaking to fans. And then oh. I was alongside Ollie Westbury and I was like, right, Ollie, we are not going down to come back up to do a video. We're doing it right now because I'm yeah. not going up them steps again. So, yeah, but that's no, yeah. a nice ground. It is. It's one. I think Albion fans like it. You know, I think it was two and a half thousand there the other day. It was a really good allocation. I know it's, you know, a straight jaunt down, uh, down the motorway. But no, I thought the fans were, were excellent on uh, on Saturday. And yeah, and a, a good one to tick off. Although... Don't fancy going there again soon. We went there twice last year and I've been there again now, three times in a year. Um, it's a bit of a journey, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's just one of them long roads. Um, although we did have a good service station stop on the way back, so not a, not a bad trip. Oh, what, was your, what was your choice? McDonald's, there? standard McDonald's, yeah, standard McDonald's. Although they didn't uh, they didn't give me a receipt, so I'm going to have to send a bank statement to our uh, our expenses officer, um, Tanya How did at the get, did you get, to get that. Oh, you get, you, get, you get that in reimbursed here. I've never done that. Can you get food? No, you eat caviar and champagne, pal. You don't eat McDonald's, <laughs> that's why. We do, we do, we do. We like to have a little, uh, <laughs> a little nice bistro before, beforehand. But yeah, it's normally a 60 quid bill. So maybe I might struggle to get that rather Yeah, than yeah, I think you're clutching uh, at straws there. Um, so new new style, how did it how did it work out? Did you like what you said? I mean, look, it took a while to get used to it. And I know there were a few mistakes kicking around. But do you think that this is something that, that West Brom could adopt and adopt it? Um, more often than not going forward, or is it more horses for courses? I think so. Um, Carlos has talked about horses. You know, he mentioned the other day about, you know, we've got, always got a player from the back. It's the player's prerogative to, you know, kick long. But, you know, we've seen we've, we've seen mentions about this style, but it's really interesting because we've seen some people saying, yeah, good, we want to play out, you know, and we've seen others. I saw a guy compare Albion being boring and comparing it to Tony Pulis' style of football the other day, which I thought was absolute crackers. But, I think we've got to accept it. Hey, friend, friend, friend of the baggies broadcast, Tony. Friend of the baggies broadcast as well, yeah. Baggies broadcast royalty. Um, we've got to, we've just got to accept. Fans got to accept it now. Albion going to play this way, and I made this point a while ago. Now, everyone in football talks very highly of Carlos Corbran and how intelligent he is. I don't think Carlos Corbran, as a manager, would play this style if he didn't believe the players that he's got at his disposal could do it. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. You know, we saw mistakes. You know, it wasn't necessarily defensive mistakes, but it was sort of sloppiness on the ball individually, you know, in the middle of the park as well. I thought Yukushu and Mullumbi had a bit of a difficult afternoon again on Saturday. Mm. But 
it's it's going to happen. You know, Alvin are going to play this way, and the more they play it, the better they'll get at it. You know, um, there's going to be mistakes. Um, would say there's going to be goals, but there wasn't on Saturday, but there has been. Um, and yeah, it's a case of just getting used to it. The, the fact that some people call it boring, I don't get it. You know, I don't, particularly in modern football, I don't like that people try and, you know, pass it within their own 18-yard box. You know, it's, you know, that's the old school in me, but it, it's yeah. going to happen. I've been going to play this way and, and I, I've got every faith in Corbrand too. And I think the majority of the fan base have as well, but it's going to take a little bit more time to fine-tune it. So Peters and Ajayi came in. Were those the only two two changes, I guess, on the side? That two changes, yeah. It was it was two changes. Ajayi came back after illness. You know, I thought he, I thought he did okay. Ajayi, uh, they, they got caught a little bit in the first half, um, but I think he's you know he, he he's called Brand's man now alongside Kipper and, and Peters come back in. He's had a difficult start. You know, he's had off field problems as, as Albion fans would have seen. His his wife was diagnosed with cancer. You know, that's why he had a little bit of time off in pre season. Um, I thought he did. Okay. He got caught a couple of times, but. You know, if you're a what 37-year-old centre half, you know, who's not the quickest or not as quick as you used to be, you know, you're probably going to get caught for pace a couple of times. But he did generally okay, and I think the defence did okay. Albion weren't carved open. It was more they conceded possession in in bad areas of the field. Um, so yeah, I think the the changes, and that's I think that's his default lineup. What we saw on Saturday now, uh, but I don't think it will be for the rest of the week because we've got a game Wednesday, we've got a game Saturday. I think we're going to see some uh, some changes. Well, one of those players, I guess, um, who came off the bench was Middlesbrough's own legend, Alex <laughs> Mauer. <laughs> um, is he? Is he? It's, it's been a strange. It's been a strange career for him, hasn't it? In the last few years, really. Um, I mean, I like him as a player. What? What's he? Do you, do you feel that he is someone who? I mean, look, okay, wasn't great, was he? Um, I don't think on on Saturday. You see, he's someone who you can see come in as soon as for a start Wednesday night, or do you feel like he's going to have to earn a starting spot or a regular starting spot in this lineup um, with with a few more substitute appearances? Because I like him as a player, but yeah. obviously you've seen a lot more than him, and you know he was he went on loan for a reason. But but back in and, and maybe maybe he didn't expect to still be at the club, but he is, and I still think he's an asset. But you might have um, a different opinion. I think he is an asset. I think he had a very good preseason. He had a very strange start to the season, really. You know, he's, you could probably count the minutes that he's appeared before Saturday on one hand, and that is because you know Yukushlu and Malumbi are the starting two. Um, neither of those have covered themselves in glory for whatever reason in the opening games. I think Mowat can 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 feel hard done by, but I think he's he is an asset for Albion. I think Steve Bruce made a real error when he got let him go on loan last summer. Uh, yeah. You know, it was probably financial issues and it was also he wanted to bring in a couple of other players. But I think he's going to be an asset for Albion this season. And I think he's really got the potential to to force his way in as a starter, I think. You know, not just as as one of those sitters, you know, one of those mid, but as a 10 as well. Because I mm. think he offers, as a 10, he offers you something different to Swift. I think so. Um, I agree. I agree. You know, he can score from distance, you know, like Swift can. But, you know, he scored a, a few really good goals for Albion. And I think he, he's the depth that Albion won. Whether Corbran, you know, has, has chosen Chalabra over him in recent games is is an element of trust. I don't really know. I know mm. I know Corbran likens Chalabra more to Kushlu. Um, but I think what we've seen with Mauer, he's come back fitter. Uh, he looks like he can get around the park more. And he's one of those players that Albion need who can pick a pass. He can break through the lines, you know, and and, and get things moving. And I fully expect it. I, whether, I'm not going to hang my hat on that he'll start on Wednesday, but I fully expect him to start at least one of the games. Yeah, I mean, 
for me, I would have thought that Mao would start and I would have thought that um, Maggio would start after his impact, but of course, uh, finished off with a, a bit of a knock. Uh, talk to me about his cameo um, alongside, you know, as, as a two up front and also what the latest is and, and whether you think he might be available for Watford. Yeah, late, we don't really know an awful lot in terms of the injury. Um, we heard some sort of rumours he, he'd left. Ashton Gate in a protective boot, you know, we've had some good sources tell us that that was the case. You know, he, I think the fans arrived back at the same time as the players at the Hawthorns on Saturday night. And, and Madger was seen getting off the coach, although he got off of his own accord without crutches. He was on, um, he was he was in a boot, um, which is which is difficult, um, difficult to tell, I'm sure. We've got a press conference tomorrow, um, so I'm sure we'll get more on that. But I thought his impact was terrific. I think he really showed, you know, he probably struggled to show what he's what he's all about in the opening games. You know, he had a big chance against Huddersfield before they went and nicked it at the death. Um, but he, he looked really well. He got to a great position for a chance. Um, and then he, he, he almost won a, well, he should have won a, a penalty. I think anyone who, who says otherwise, you know, it's quite difficult to argue with that. I wasn't actually in the ground at the time. I was making my... 2000 step journey down to speak to the away fans but um on the replay and and, and you know seen clips and frames of pictures he should have won a penalty and that was the mm. that was the incident that's led to to his um to his injury you know some fans are saying, do you think it was a penalty i think it was yeah i think the guy's got the ball but he's taken the man first and i think you know we could it's hypothetical var gives it for me um what i will say i'm not going to hammer the referee because in real time it, it's it's very difficult to give but I think if it was at the other end, I'd be very worried that it was going to be a penalty. Um, but yeah, he's, he, he provides you that option. And I think if Magic, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, Magic's, Magic's injury is is only, you know, a minor one. I think if you've got a, a front line, you know, come November, mid-November, when you can call on Magic, Brandon Thomas Santic and Daryl DK, mm. then Albion have got a very good front line. And he gives you that other option. You know, I've spoken to to you know experts Albion former players you know and modern football is a one up front game but they played two before Tom Sante went off they played two and they looked very very sharp and what this, what from my point of view defenders can't play against two anymore because they don't do it anymore so defenders yeah. defenders don't they don't train or they don't come up against two up front you know I was brought up on front twos you know we all were but football evolves you know, quite rightly or wrongly, but it gives Albion that other option, which they I, they don't really have. We haven't seen DK and Thomas Asante really as a front two, and Albion, Albion haven't played a front two probably since Rodriguez and Gale, which is, what, six, five, six us, years ago? Yeah. Does it give Asante a different dimension? Because it must be difficult for him. It helps him. Leading the line helps sometimes, him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it just gives him a little bit more space, and and like you say, defenders something else to think about, but also, you know, he can, he can change his game slightly and get a little bit more freedom because Obviously, he's the main goal threat in this side of the moment from the start. But if you, you know, if you double team him or you get someone on him or man marking him, then it's very difficult. But you, you put someone else up there who's useful, who's lively, who can who can take a couple of defenders away. It'll free him up. I think. Well, you know, you could end up um, making a bit of a partnership. And like you say, sometimes when he's a little bit isolated, especially away from home, it's definitely going to help. And we've got to score goals to win this league. You know, I, I understand that the defence is important, but. You look at the teams that have gone up recently over the last few years, they've scored a massive amount of goals. You know, you look at the teams at the top of the table at the moment, you know, Hull City, Leicester, Ipswich, they're scoring goals and you've got to score goals. And sometimes sometimes you've got to almost win 4-2 or 3-1 or 3-2 sometimes rather than keeping it. Obviously, everybody wants to have a clean sheet yeah. at the back, but, you know, you're probably going to concede one a game. But you've got to look to score two or three, I think. 
I, yeah, that's I think, what the fans want to see. Yeah, I would rather sacrifice someone to go the other way to play two up top or or, mm. or have that option in your armory. Um, and Madge is Madge is going to give Albion that. I think it will free Brandon Thomas Santi up. You know, he does so much work linking the play when he's playing up front of the zone and getting the ball off wide. That when that ball does come in the box, whether it's from Phillips or Wallace or Swift, you know, he he's never really there. He's he, he's always sort of behind the curve on that a little bit, and that's because he's doing so much work elsewhere. Um, so that might free him up, but we'll we'll see. Um, it's all hypothetical, and we'll just have to wait to see on Madger tomorrow. If Madger is injured, then um, I don't know what Albion are gonna gonna really do moving forward. But that's one for uh, for another day. You talk about DK. What's uh, what's his rehab situation like? I mean, look, we t- just horrendous. I can't believe that you know since he's arrived at the club, just the amount of times he's been injured, and you know the amount of goals you've missed, and you really have missed him up top, but. Is there an optimism that this could be, you know, it could be Christmas time and and hopefully getting free for the second half of the season? If so, you know, what do you expect from him coming back? Is it 10, 15, 20 minutes, baby steps here, baby steps there before you you see him start? Or is it just dependent on on how he's feeling? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think he's bang on track. I think it was November time. I think Carlos was talking about when he last spoke about him. Um, I think when he came back last time, which was like pre-Christmas, post-World Cup. I think he played against Stoke and then he started the first game after the World Cup and scored mm-hmm. against Sunderland. Um, oh, no, sorry, he came off the bench in that one. He will be, I think if he was in Cottonwall last time, he'll be in Cottonwall times three this time. I think Albion, you know, have really got to watch uh, and be careful. I think he's a bonus. He's an added bonus. You know, he's almost being forgotten by a lot of the fan base, um, you know, which is understandable given the fact that mm-hmm. He's played a limited amount of games, but he's got that potential. We, you know, we, we saw the goals he scored. The goal he scored up at Sunderland was excellent. And I think what it will give it again is give Alvin another dimension. You know, he he's got so many facets to his game that he he just he brings you that. And you you've rattled off teams there that are doing well this season and scoring goals. If you rattle off those who've who who've done well last season, uh, the teams that have gone up. They haven't just had one goal scorer. They've had two or three. Um, mm. You and you want your wide players. You want your, your tens, your midfielders. You know, even your centre halves to be skip, chipping in with goals. But if Albion can get three centre forwards who can all get around eight to ten goals, see eight to ten goals or, or ten to fifteen, you know, they're really going to be cooking there. Uh, but it's sort of what's his space with DK because, you know, we don't want to be sitting here in six months' time going when he's out again with another sure, another injury. Sure. What's his? What was his length of his deal? Do you know, Johnny? Yeah, I think he signed a four. I think he signed a four in January 2020. 2020. Twenty two. January last year he signed. Oh, okay. Um, so he's, yeah, so he's got, so he's got four. Oh, is he a four, or, four and a half or three and a half or four? One of them. Yeah, okay. one of them, I think. Um, but okay. yeah, he's still got plenty of time to go. Yeah. Do you think that he, um, you know, when it's coming to like a year left or whatever, do you feel like just with the how unlucky he's been, because he's quite an emotional guy, isn't he? And I think he will have a loyalty to West Brom, but do you feel like he will be wanting to stay at the club if he is fit going on, you know, and hopefully he does get fit on a regular basis and extend his deal or not look elsewhere because of the faith and the frustration of injuries when having a forked out 10 million quid for him, that he won't be looking elsewhere with, you know, with 12 months left on his contract? Yeah, I, I'm not so sure if it'll be about that. I think, he, you know, he's 23 now, you know, and he signed, uh, just going to check. Because I have to say, he's he signed a four, man 
He signed a four and a half year deal at Albion, so he's got plenty of time to go. Um, I think he's in a situation now where, you know, he's 23. He's 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 a unique striker. I don't think there's any strikers like him around. If he comes in and scores a bucket of goals and stays fit, he is a player that Albion can sell. You know, we've seen, you know, you see it more than me with Wolves. You see the money and the ridiculous money that clubs will spend. If if he comes in, hits the ground running. Striker. If he comes, yeah, if he comes in, hits the ground running. If if Daryl DK scores 15 to 18 goals this season and goes on a mad one, he won't be at West Brom next season. Yeah. Regardless of his injury um, history. Um, if he does it progressively over a few years and Albion keep hold of him, they'll sell him for even more money. Mm. Equally, if his injury record continues, I think Albion will want to keep hold of him or he, he, he will want to stay at Albion because I, I think his stock might have gone down. I don't think his stock yeah. has gone down at the moment. I think everyone can appreciate how unlucky he's been. You can you can come up with theories saying that these injuries are caused by you know training or whatever, but I don't think I, I don't buy in too much to that. Um, I think when you've got muscles inside of Daryl DKs, you're always going to be susceptible to pulling them um, and injuring them. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting. He's got a big season ahead, but you know if he comes back, his form's not great, and he only scores a handful of goals. I don't mm. think he's going to be you know he's not going to be dismissed yeah. anyway. He's still got a big future no. at Albion. No, and like you say, you know, if he does score goals, I think he'll want to get fit, want to play regular games, and you know, I know it's a long way away, but he'll have, he'll, he'll be eyeing that 2026 World Cup in America as well, won't he? So he needs to prove to himself and to to America that he's fit, and you know, whether that's in the championship or or whatnot. But you know, even if you if you do sell him, you do sell him for decent money eventually. You know that he will have at least got fit and start scoring some goals, and hopefully made um you know a bit of a, a decent impact with Albion going up the table. So hopefully, you know, it's in everybody's interest that he. He hits the ground running when he does when he does start, and like you say, probably the other side of Christmas is when you're going to see him, you know, playing 90 minute games anyway. But fingers crossed for him. I, I do feel for him. Right before we uh, before we move on with some some news and notes, um, a bit of core and criticism kicking around, Johnny. Yeah, a little bit, little bit. I, I never want to dig out the minorities and that because I think the majority still give them a voice. See the job yeah. that core brand's done, but you know, I see a few interesting points. But you know, I think the one that's labelled at him is he's. You know, I saw someone say he's got a he's got something against Jeremy Sarmiento because Sarmiento hasn't started. Corbrand went into detail about Sarmiento and Wallace, who's had criticism. You know, explaining that you know, you know, Sarmiento's not fit. Um, he's not fully fit at the moment. He had a big injury with Brighton last year. I think everyone, again, it's that, and I sound like a broken record. I think everyone just needs to temper their expectations. I think what Albion have got is a is is a pretty you know run of the mill Championship squad, mate, just above top of the mill run-of-the-mill championship squad mm. with a very, very good manager. You know, yeah, very, very good managers are at the top because they work with big players. They work with bigger budgets and big players. Corbran, you know, who, someone someone said it to me the other day, you know, Albion fan, some Albion fans this season, a minority, want champagne football, you know, mm. on a, on a you know, a meal deal budget or something like that. And on a big, big Mac meal budget. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, that, that's the case at the moment. Um, I think we just want to temper it down, and, and that's not the case. You know, when we come out and praise Corbran, we get you know accused of being you know one-sided. We're not. You know, Corbran's got things wrong. Albion, Corbran has made mistakes at certain periods of time, and you know that that run after January, um, I think, you know, all sort of started when he brought Matt Phillips off the bench in the FA Cup, and he got injured in a needless game. You know, so mm-hmm. and then you know there are things that he got run selections and and this and that and the other but I think largely on the whole he's done really well at Albion and if you look at the return from the first six games um, I think you'd probably take it um, yeah is it, is it, is it eight points I think um, so 
Yeah, I think it's a case of calming down. You know, you'll always get people who've got a vendetta or, or a campaign against yeah. certain managers, but I think to sort of label him up against sort of the likes of Pulis, who, you know, Pulis mm. was in the Premier League with Albion, um, is a bit ridiculous. And I think, yeah, to, you know, if, if we're in 12, 15 games time and Albion have gone on a rotten run, then yeah, people will start to question him. But yeah, you know, I think he's, he's done okay to start with. I think Albion are only going to get better this season. But do you feel that um, the, the best the best chance for Albion this year would be just a mid-table finish, or do you feel like you know give themselves a chance eight games to go where they could they could maybe sneak into the back end of those playoffs? I think is, realist- that, is that too optimistic? I think realistically you got to look at mid-table. Um, I think, but they've got it in them for a playoff. But you know, Albion have got it in them to go on a massive run, and, and you know, I think there's probably about fourteen teams, fifteen teams who could mount even a you know. A, a, uh, a shy at the the automatic spots because we've seen it in the championship. We've seen clubs rise and rise and rise. You know, that's a small percentage for Albion, very small percentage. But I think if Albion can get on a good run, momentum's key in this division. You know, mm. P- Tony Pulis actually spoke about it when we, we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. You know, momentum's key. If Albion can get on a run, you look at that run when he when Corbran first came in and how high he took Albion mm. uh, before they had a little bit of a drop off. But you know. You can still be in the relegation zone at Christmas and get in the playoffs. Sure, sure. So you know, there's plenty of time to go. I think playoffs are not beyond the realms of possibility, and I think with what he's got, they can, they can get there. But you know, Albion squad is where it is. You know, injuries and stuff aside, you know, they've got to stay relatively fit, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I've seen signs from the opening games that Albion can potentially mount a, a little assault on those playoffs. But I think it's keeping your expectations. You know expectations realistic and the expectation I'd say top 10 really top mm. 10 probably again you know in that ballpark but you know we'll see we're only we're only six games in so there's a long long time to go no man I'm panicking already as a Middlesbrough fan crikey bottom of the table one point what the hell's going on you're a Wolves fan aren't you uh, <laughs> man, yeah. whoever's winning I'm a fan <laughs> of but, uh, none of them none of them can believe, well yeah, none of them are at the moment yeah okay. oh dear absolutely awful I mean, I thought they'd be, literally, you know, probably close to the playoffs this year. I know that Albion and Middlesbrough started off so badly last season, but crikey, I mean, this is bad. One, one draw. Oh, Absolutely. It's really poor. Um, okay, some news. Um, Johnny, obviously some sad news uh, with, with Ian Hamilton passing away. Yeah, it's um, something we wanted to bring up last week. Obviously, we had a bit of a different episode last week. I was recording sure. with with Matt Wilson and Antonio Pulis a week before. But but yeah, condolences to the Hamilton family and everything from everyone at the Baggies Broadcasting Express and Star. You know, really sad. Played I think over two hundred fifty games for Albion was was part mm-hmm. of that side that that won promotion. You know, very well thought of down at the Hawthorns was a regular in the in the in the hospitality suites and and sadly passed away. I just want to mention there's a tribute night for him at the Hawthorns, October the 19th. Um, only way to get tickets, contact a guy called Alan Cleverly, 0121 That That flyer's floating around on social media um, if you want to go along, uh, if you're a big baggy in the 90s and uh, enjoyed watching uh, Ian Hamilton down at the Hawthorns, um, get in touch. And yeah, just a couple of other ones. All the best to Roy Hodgson, um, who was uh, unfortunately taken ill. At Crystal Palace against Villa on on Saturday, old uh, old Roy, still very well thought of down at the Hawthorns. Wishing all the mm. best. And uh, well, we've got a bit of a question on this later, so um, we'll go into it in more detail. But congratulations to Albion women back at the Hawthorns on Saturday, four one winners for a crowd of around four hundred. Uh, maybe Huddersfield four uh, one, so a very good win um, for Albion women. 
Right, back to you, pal. You can do this. But I know, I, I'm not talking about kettles and toasters and, uh, and air fries this week. It's all on you. You know it, baby. Kettleandtoastman.co.uk, your one-stop shop for all the most incredible appliances. Your graded product specialist, and I mean, Johnny. There are some incredible deals. Amazing deals for you to get here. Let's have a look. I'm going to go, what do you fancy? What would you like to go through? Would you like a kitchen set, a kettle, a toaster, a microwave, a cooking appliance, air fryer? A blended food processor. What I'll tell you what, do you know what I want? I want one of them Dishwasher. automated bins. You know them automated bins? Find me one of them where you just flash your hand over the top. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. I've got Find me one, one of them. Okay, I've got you one. Right, okay. I'm looking now at a stunning, stunning Morphe Richards, Richards chrome countertop sensor. Uh, 1.7 litre bin. Absolutely beautiful. Um like matte black with a chrome top. It's one of those where you wave your hand over and it opens up automatically. I mean, this is this is proper swish. So, you know, this is high-end stuff that you're looking at, you know, you're seeing in some sort of celebrity's home. So it's going to be expensive because you know, you're going, you've gone top end, Johnny, as you like in your in your lovely new house. <laughs> so um, what would you say from a cost point of view, you're going to be paying for that? What would you be happy to pay for it? I don't know. I don't know. Or the really. missus, let's say, what would the missus be happy to pay for it? Because, you know, oh, it, is, it is pretty nice, pretty Swiss. Well, I'd pay, I'd, I'd go up, I'd go like, I'd go 60, 70 quid for a good bin like that. I mean, that's that's fair enough. I mean, 60, 70 quid, reduce it by 50%. Oh, 30 quid? Oh, maybe. I'll tell you what, let's, let's go even lower. I'll give you another £2.50 off. £27.50. No, I was one of the, I started reading these out you know, three or four years ago now when Kettle and Toast got in touch. And I'm like, okay, I'll just read them out. Sponsors, blah, 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 blah. Happy days. But when you actually go on the site, I'm honestly, genuinely stunned at some of these prices. So if you haven't, I mean, it's so easy to remember, kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Get yourself in. You know, you're going to have a couple of minutes a day. You're going to be in, you know, you're in bed tonight. You're scrolling through, whatever. Just, just give them a look because there's some amazing deals. And look, you know, if you're not happy, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a great present for the missus there somewhere down the line. I'm telling you, there's all sorts going on. You can get even clearance items. My God, looking now, tower, one of these tower, um, beautiful uh, kettles and it's colored, different colors kicking out. 25 quid. You've got an amazing hoover, pets everywhere, special pet hair hoover, 40 quid. Cherry red toaster, nine quid. Come on, mate. Come on. Have it. Right. Let's move on to some questions, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. A, wall, a Wolves podcaster. A Wolves podcaster talking about getting in the bin. There we go. There's in the bin. Right. Okay. Um, you, you mentioned about um, a women's question, Johnny, which I think we do have. Uh, Lizzie says, question about the women's team. Uh, we had 400 in attendance at the Hawthorns yesterday. Uh, and there was plenty of advertising publicity of the fixture. What would entice more fans to attend games? That was interesting. Um, an interesting question. We had a good response from uh, from another fan, Ali Jones, who said about, you know, Premier League teams play their women's games after the, the men to keep people knocking around. Um, a bit so like the cricket. Yeah, like the cricket, like the hundred in the cricket. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, I don't really know, to be honest, Lizzie. Um, it's a difficult one. Um, I think being at the Hawthorns is, is great. I think it's it's great for the players, um, great for supporters. Um, I don't quite think it's ticket prices because ticket prices are, are relatively low. Um, I, maybe it's like timing of it. I think it's it's 
like you said, the publicity is great and the, the, the media work that Albion do. I know they've got some designated people down there doing the women's stuff. It's fantastic. Um, I don't know what you think, Judah, because you, you do a lot of the women's Wolves women game that get yeah they get quite well supported i think i believe um, yeah they do they've, they've got they've got a good following i mean look they've been kind of like pretty successful for a while now and i think um they've had a couple of really close runs in the league where they need to go up into that that, that championship or that that in that league below wsl I, I, I think sometimes the promotion relegation system doesn't help the situation i think it's changed this year actually where you can go automatically from the north and the south before it was a playoff so i feel like almost um the the structure of the promotion relegation put people off going because it was just so poorly put together. It was almost like an afterthought after the WSL. Uh, I do feel there's a lot more coming in. There's a lot more better teams coming in now. And the quality is absolutely... I mean, I'm stunned every time I go to see a Wolves women's game or, or just a women's game in, in a, um, anywhere because the quality is, is excellent. Te- technically, some of these ladies are absolutely superb. So I would definitely implore people to, to keep on going. You haven't been... You know, it's a bloody expensive day on a to watch a championship or a, or a Premier League game, you know. And I, I do feel sometimes a lot of families don't get value for money, whether they're taking them to go and see Wolves or West Brom or any other team. Yeah, you know, I think it's a, probably a case as well of targeting, you know, targeting schools, targeting primary schools, targeting that yeah. kind of thing. Because if you look at crowds in the WSL, which are now have gone through the roof compared to, you know, previous years. Sure. Um a lot of them are younger generations, you know, family, kids, you, you know, young girls, young boys as well. You know, um, but but also, mate, I think the access, you know, you you know, you, obviously traffic wise, you're not paying. Basically, it's two hundred quid for family four to go and attend a football game these days with your ticket and your burger and your and and whatever you want and your parking and then you sat in traffic. Whereas the actual interaction you get from a women's game, not just before, but also like the friendliness. If there's, you know, you, you, like you say, you're right, John. If you've got young children or you know, and sometimes sometimes the language used at football games isn't great. It's more of a family atmosphere. And also at the end of the game, the, the, the ladies will always come and take pictures and they'll stay by the touchline for like half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards. It's a very much a, a friendly family atmosphere that I think you'll get young people into. And I, I would definitely encourage people to go to, to West Brom Women, Wolves Women or whatever women's game are close to you because it is a, is a superb experience. Right. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, Nathan, not me, but uh, Nathan Aldridge says, with regards to us seemingly starting slow, do you feel there's a potential that Corbett gives the players too much information? He said a few times now that he has team meetings, there are sometimes three hours. Surely players would start to get bored like we all would. You'd be doodling in a three-hour three hour meeting. Oh, right? easily. Easily. You'd be doodling. Um, I, it's, it's what I can't give you a definitive answer, Nathan, uh, because... I don't sit in their meetings. Maybe he's very, he's a very, you know, detailed manager, isn't he, Carlos? I don't probably think it's that. I, I think, I think at home they start fast, away they start slow, and the away results mm. are nowhere near as good as the home results, which mm. pro- is a psychological thing, maybe a little, a, a little bit. We, but we've seen it before. We see it all the time. You know, clubs have great home form and and, and crap away form. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, maybe I don't know um, potentially, but I don't think I've been really playing an overcomplicated way. I think they just, you know, they play in a in in a way that we've seen sides do before. Um, I don't think it, it it's necessarily down to that. It may be. Um, you probably have to ask the players more than me. Um, but yeah, difficult one to know. It's a long three hour meeting. Though. That's a long meeting. Like yeah, that. that's a long meeting. Like um, do we be a Albion says what do our fans want? Do they want Pulis ball, five centre half, stifle games in midfield? 
and only threatened from set pieces. I believe they want a team that evolves, tries to play decent, attractive, intelligent football, and has an identity in the modern game. Because I'm stumped, he says. I want to win, mate. Is what <laughs> I want to do. And if we have to win by the ball coming off someone's backside and winning one yeah. every week, I would take it. But I get your point. Yeah. What do Albion fans want? Um, and it stems back to that point I was making before, you know, champagne football on on a on a Burger King budget. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's one of them. You know, Albion are going to get better. They're going to play progressively better. The more that they do, they you know they they um, persevere with this style. Um, yeah. You know, and you'd rather be. Don't get me wrong. If you're winning games and you're playing, you know, what do I call it? Murder ball football, or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine if you're winning. But if you're not, yeah. you might as well entertain playing more attractive, better stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and get and try and get results. Um, so I think, yeah, there is that, you know, but we'll see. I think it's a societal thing as well. You lose one game, like we said, you lose one game, the world's going to end. You win one game, you're the best team in the world. Sure, of course. And I think, I think once, once once Albion get on a run of results, I think more people will start to appreciate um, just how good of a manager we've got and, and, and the style of play that he's trying to adopt. Look, I mean, six games in, what have you done? Six games in, won two, drawn two, lost two. If you'd have six games in and you won five and drawn one and you'd had five desperate one nil wins and a, and a nil-nil draw, I think people would be up in arms. I don't think there would be. There'd be a statue of Corbran on the Greg's It would be, wouldn't there? You know, literally would, yeah. exactly. So, you know, yeah, you're right. Three points are the most important thing. Uh, Dave Neal and Dean Banford, I've kind of put your questions together. Uh, Dave says... If Madrid's out for a while, what are the options? BTA with Phillips as backup striker, play a false nine, check the free agent market, he says. Question mark. Dean Banford says, play Phillips alongside BTA and bring Sarmiento into the starting 11, make a sacrifice and try and get three points away from home. It's early in the season. Try something different instead of the obvious all the time. Um, right, let's get stuck into that. I think mm. it's... BTA will be the, the main point. If Madger is out, he will remain that way. Phillips, uh, we get as, again, as we say, is the option. When you look below that, it is difficult to see what other options Albion have in terms of recognised strikers. I'm just looking at the squad list to make sure I haven't forgotten anyone, but there is no striking options after that. You know, Jovan Malcolm's on loan. Mo Fowles out on loan. You know, they've got recall options on the pair of them. You know, Carl Grant is out on loan. Uh, DK's not fit. Um, so you've got options. I think at times we've seen Swift play just off a front man, which he can do. Sarmiento can also play as a 10. I think he's got it in his armory to play. Maybe not in a front two, but up there. I think we won't see a front two if Madger is, is out. Um, I'm just having a little bit of a little bit of a scan of the free agent market. I can't imagine Albion will go into the free agent market. No, no. Uh, but there's not, you know, there's not an awful lot around there in terms of, you know, Strikers that would be readily available for someone like Albi. You know, you're looking at someone like Andre Ayew or someone like that who has played in England and and yeah. is who is still available. Um, crisis some players on this free. Well, a, there's players some some weird players on this free agent list. I will tell is you that- now. Um, but yeah, I can't see Albion going that general direction. But you never know. Um, but it all depends mm-hmm. on Magic, doesn't it? But there are options there, but they are limited options if he is yeah. a long-term one. Clint McCormick, as we play uh, Vlad's Watford on Wednesday. Val? Your opinion? Who's Vlad? Oh, Vlad Ball? Vlad Ball? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, look, 
bloody the impaler, mate. That's what I see when I see when I when it's I look Monday. at it. It's Monday. We'll let him off. We'll let him off. <laughs> As we play Val's Ishmael's Watford on Wednesday. As your opinion of the job, he changed. He did change it in all at all in hindsight. We were in huge decline, and it was time to go. But it's not like we've moved forward as a club since he left. It's an interesting point. It's something I'm going to write about this afternoon. Um, just looking at Val's time at Albion, um, I think we can all agree that, that that to watch at the end, Val Val Ball or whatever it Val, turned Vlad into Ball. was Vlad Ball. Vlad Ball, yeah, mm. was uh, was pretty turgid, and you know the results were turgid, and he was duly dismissed. Albion Did the DK were... injury kill him in the end as well? Yeah, I think so. I think he was very unlucky. Um, That's the first one, wasn't it? That yeah, was the first. yeah. Yeah. But Albion were Albion were fifth at the time, mm. and I mm. I don't think Albion have been above fifth since Valerian Ishmael left the football club, which yeah. is a startling wow. statistic. You know, mm. Bruce come in and it was it was it was dire in terms of results. The start of last season they played well at times, but you know we were down in the bottom three or bottom two or however low we got. I don't like to think too much about that. Um, and then Carlos came in and, and got us up and in around the playoffs. Like, don't uh, correct, uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure they will do. Probably in block capitals with a tweet. Um, <laughs> but I, we haven't been above that. And and yeah, they, they, there's contributing factors. Um, how do you look at his time? You know, look at results wise. I think they were ten unbeaten, weren't they? They were top of the table. They were flying, mm. uh, beating the likes of Sheffield United, Bournemouth, and stuff like that. But yeah, he's not one that's remembered very fondly, I don't think, at Albion. Um, I think it had all the makings. I think he was a stubborn manager. I think he was a very stubborn manager. And we're only seeing now at Watford that he's adapting his style for English football. Or you have to adapt it for any any country or any sure, league. But sure. he's, he's playing in a different way. It's not just, you know, Valball, whatever we called it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I don't look at it back too badly, um, mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't pretty, and the results didn't come. Um, so he's not one that's going to go down as a as a fan's favourite. All Albion fans, for the first time this season, we have three league games in seven days. Happens again before the international break. Which players do you think need managing over the quick succession of games, and what changes would you make to the starting eleven based on that? So just take the first part of it because we're going to come on to the starting eleven and what you think in a bit when we preview the game. But um, you know, which which players do you think would need managing? I don't think we're going to see Eric Peters for the next two games. Well, we're going to see him, but we're not, I don't think we'll see him start. I don't think we'll see Okai Kushlu start because he hasn't... He must, sure. I don't know if he hasn't failed to complete a 90 minutes, but he has in a number of games failed to complete a 90 minutes. He's been taken off. Um, I think we might see Jed Wallace rotated, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we haven't talked. We've talked about him a lot in recent weeks because fans have, you know, been giving him pelters, but mm. for his for his four. But he looks tired. He looks leggy. You know, I personally think that his bout of illness, I think it was appendicitis in the summer, he's still having an impact because he looked very very tired on Saturday. It doesn't look like he's got that spring in his step. Um, mm. Not for the, his whole performances anyway. So I think he might be one that is rested. Um, aside from that, I can't really see too many other changes. You know. Yes, you've got three games in seven days, and yes, you need to protect players, but you also need to get a bit of momentum going and you know, yeah. chop and change the side, especially with Albion's lack of, of depth. It's always difficult. And like you said, they're not playing this first time this season, they're playing three games in seven days. I mean, that's what they play for. Some 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 teams, you know, are playing that every other yeah. week. So I think that that's yeah, not, a, of course. it shouldn't be an issue, really. It really shouldn't. Uh, Danny Turner, are we genuinely unlucky, genuinely unlucky with inju- injuries for new players, or do we disregard their history? Um, 
I think we're unlucky. I was expecting this question. I think, I don't know if this is what Danny's referring to. I imagine it is. He's on the back of the Madger injury. Yeah, Madger, so. The Madger injury is caused by, caused by a tackle. It's not a muscle pull when you're just running down the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at those, you, you could say, you know, is there something behind the scenes? Uh, DK, you know, talk about injury history. DK hadn't had, had a bad injury since when he came to Albion. Now he's had three. Um, I think it's purely maybe unlucky. Muscle injuries, people will always look into them, won't they? Are they being overworked in training or whatever? But I don't. I think it's just unlucky. We see, we see it all the time. You know, I covered a lot of Shrewsbury last season, and they had a rotten run of injuries. You know, and they were, you know, they had a couple of they had two ACLs last season. You know, in the space of like three weeks in games that were just unfortunate. I think it is unfortunate. It's part and parcel of football. I think it's highlighted more when you're not doing very well. If you carry on doing well, sure. you know, sure. you ride the injury crisis. No one really bats an eyelid. But it's a valid question. Um, I think you said his name was Danny. Um, and yeah, I don't think we can read too much into it. Certainly not on the back of the manager one anyway, because it was purely caused by a tackle. Mm. Um, last one, last question. Sarah, I like I like this question as well. This is a question that I've, to be honest, I think I've asked you a couple of times. When you look at the price that Everton is reportedly being sold for, given we are also a historic club in the doldrums, are we not an absolute bargain in terms of a takeover potential? Um, not that they were Everton's own, as he says. Everton are weren't, aren't worth 10 Albions. I think it's a good... I'm stunned that no one's come in at this price. For West Just so look at the price. A, what is the price that Everton have been sold for? Um, I haven't seen a figure anywhere. Uh, you'll know. You'll know more than me. Posted that's a question. Um, yeah, I think it's an yeah. amazing price for Albia. I mean, I can't believe. I genuinely can't believe it. Yeah, so he wants sixty million, but um, I'm led to believe, and from what I've read and heard, that 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 includes debt. Um, so you're looking at a smaller figure. Um, yeah, we've heard from Mark Miles that there are you know interested parties behind the scenes. We've seen a few come out in the public domain, which you know, I don't think there was any substance in them really, um, because they come out in the public domain so soon. So, yeah, it's it's you know that's what the Premier League adds to the value of your football club. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, but I that. think you know the way mm. that things are coming on at the moment. There's a lot of there's a lot of people who see a Championship club or, yeah, or a local table club and bring them up from there. You know, I think there's City, yeah, know? there's potential there. You know, to, to change things at Albion. Um, and it's just whoever wants to go for it, you know, if you had to hang your hat on it, you would imagine if anyone takes over, it's going to be the Americans because they're buying up everyone. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's a snip. It's a snip in the modern landscape of football, you know, as as bad as things are off the field at Albion. And, and as much as we've said, Albion aren't really a promotion contender in terms of automatics and they're an outside bet for the playoffs. They're not a million miles away from the top flight. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you get Albion in the top flight, you know, if you have a big backer come in, then and you can consolidate again. They can really, you know, you know, there's 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 really good blueprints there. You know, you look at a Forest blueprint who, who chucked money at it and got up there and, and stayed up there, or a Brentford and a Brighton who've done it, you know, really methodically and and very yeah. very well. And and Albion can be in that mould. You know, Albion were Albion were Brighton before they were Brighton. You know, mm. you know, with with what Dan Ashworth mm. did at Albion and then did at Brighton. Um, so I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's a snip. I, I'd be very pers- This is only my personal view, and you know, this is not based on any in-depth knowledge of of, of discussions, you know, that have, have been going on with potentially any investors or any any anyone looking for a takeover. I personally think Albion could be in different hands by the end of the season. I really hope yeah. they are. Um, 
whether that's head talking over or heart talking overhead, I don't, it probably is. But I just think, especially if Alvin are flirting up and around the playoffs this season, um, yeah. you know, because if someone comes in for Albion next season and they have got through the playoffs, they're not going to be paying yeah. 60 million for Albion. They're going to be paying a sure. lot more for Albion than yeah. 60 million yeah. pounds. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, very valid point. You know, you look at 600 million for Everton, a club who could very well be in the championship again next season. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or say again for the first time, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But I, yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting to see. Or it'll be interesting to see whether you know if no one has taken over Albion by the end of the season, whether that price remains at sixty million pound sure, when it comes down. Sure. You know, because Gouch and Lie doesn't want West Brom as much as West Brom fans don't want Gouch and Lie anymore. No, um, no, of course. So. Yeah, get him gone, get him gone, mate. Uh, <laughs> right. Wednesday night, uh, Johnny Drury and who will be with you? I've got George Road. Bennett, our Walsall correspondent, who's going to be alongside me as Coxie's on Coxie's on, on, on his two-month holiday. Um, yeah. yeah, we'll be down at Vicarage Road. Looking forward to that one. Love Vicarage Road. Great ground. Great ground. Yeah, easy access to fans. Yes, very very easy access. Not the best parking, though. No, I did. Last time, stupidly last time, we didn't get a press pack and I parked at like a shopping centre about nine miles oh, away. Like no. It felt. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, but parking school nearby, I believe, if I remember rightly. Or someone are, you, um, are you going together or are you going solo? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm designated driver this time. We'll be picking up old Joe Chapman from the Virgin Mail at, uh, at a little stopping point on the way. Oh, the Hawthorns. We're meeting actually at the Hawthorns. Oh, um, interesting. So, uh, so, yeah, we'll be heading down there. Press food is banging banging last year i think it was a curry. yeah decent decent yeah with a big still got the big mural of um sir elton there yeah the so you're eating your dinner you're watching sir elton you go through the door yeah. and it's not a press conference room it's a cinema room you know it's massive yes. um Huge. so yeah good views at watford always good um so yeah we'll uh we'll see hopefully uh hopefully i'll be win. if you're meeting the, at the hawthorns one of my favorite parts of going to the hawthorns either coming in or leaving mainly leaving is going to that starbucks drive through that's on the um, on the oh, wings opposite the Greggs. This shows the, the this shows the levels in class between myself and Nathan Judah because I wouldn't even bother getting to Starbucks. I just pull a left into Greggs. See. No, no, mate, come on. Large blonde Americano. You get two lots of the egg egg white bites there. Happy days, mate. You get me a white. Just get me a white coffee and a sausage roll. Oh, mate, stop it. That's saturated fat. What you're doing to yourself? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, right, okay. Um, so. Team, team wise, what are we thinking? A couple of changes then. You think not too many then? Obviously, with them, with it only been the first, the first of, of a first one of the season where you're playing three games in seven days. So not too many changes. Yeah, I don't think so. I think if I had to name it, I'd probably go Palmer in goal. I think if mm-hmm. he's gonna if he's gonna play a three four three, I think I think he will start with the back three that started the other day. I think it would Peters left, uh, Kipra Jai, and then I think it'd be interesting. I think in midfield. I think he, if it was me, I would bring Mauer in for Yukushli. And I'd probably say that would probably be the one change that I would make. Yeah. Um, I think if you look at Watford and the way they play compared to Millwall, it were going to be aggressive in your face, you know, front footed, mm. trying to get at you, trying to trying to be hostile. I think you'd want OK in there for that. Um, yeah. Interesting. And I think what we've got to look at in the next two games is. We see a potentially see a start for Grady Dean Garner. He's fully fit, come off the bench yeah. the other day. You know, he's another option. I know, you know, we've said he's been sitting in last chance saloon at Albion for a long time now. Um, yeah. but he is another option. I thought he looked 
showed little patches and little bright sparks against Bristol City. Um, I think he's one that could could really be knocking on the door um, alongside you know Jeremy Sarmiento as well, who I don't quite think will start at Watford. I don't know, you know, we might be surprised if if I wouldn't be surprised. If he did make three or four changes, given the the load in the games, um, given it being the yeah. first three game week of the season, um, but yeah, for me it's going to be that. Um, and yeah, alongside that, you got we got to wait and see who makes up the squad with the the manager stuff and another other th- food for thought for Carlos. Two different uh, styles, I guess. Valable versus versus Carlos Corberan's uh, new look. How do you think that's going to mix together on a on a Wednesday night? A yeah, be, Wednesday night. It'd be interesting because Val. Val Ball is, or, or Val or Vlad has uh, slightly changed, slightly changed his uh, his sort of how he plays in the opening weeks. You know, it's very much you know which way is it going to go. Both played six, drawn two, lost two, one two. Mm-hmm. Um, Albion have scored. You know, if we look at if we look at Watford's stats, they've conceded four. Um, I think they've conceded four. Two seconds. Um, no, sorry, they haven't conceded four at all. Uh, they scored nine and conceded five, so they've got a better back line than Albion, and they've got just as just as, as good of a forward line. And I think Albion have done all right up top this season. So they're scoring more goals. Uh, I think they're, they're without a winning four, um, which shows how they've played. But had some decent results so far. Um, mm. you know, beat, I think he's uh, with the turnaround of managers as well. I think he's the first one to be in discussions with a, a longer term contract. I think actually. Yeah, and he's you know we look at. We look at the, you know, they scored three against Watford, they scored two on Saturday. Um, you know, they've got players there, yeah, Tom Ent, someone who's been around the block, and then some, you know, is still there. Um, you know, we've got Jake Livermore, reunion with Jake Livermore as well, although he hasn't mm. really played a lot this season. Um, Jake Livermore, the man who, who everyone, all Albion fans thought fell out with Val, um, was actually signed by Val at Watford. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, I can't really, can't really talk a lot about the Watford lineup because I don't really know an awful lot about who they've signed and these players but you know they're, they're obviously doing okay this season they've got a front line who can score I think it, we should be in for a good game I don't think it's going to be classic foul ball as we remember it um, sure. but it's going to be uh, yeah it's going to be an interesting one and, and Fabian take a point it's not the worst week take three I think it's going to be a terrific week well let's go to predictions then um, I'll give you mine first I'm going to go for I'm going to go for what this game or the game against Bristol City could have been and I'm going to say it's, there's going to be a few goals, a few tied legs back in second half. I'm going to say Desmond, 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. I thought you were going to go with Albion went there just to make some friends. Um, Desmond, Desmond. Let's, let's not go crazy. <laughs> uh, I'll say 2-1 Albion. I'm always, I'm always going to go with an Albion win. Um, yeah, 2-1 Albion. Uh, late goal. I'm going to give it a late goal. Oh, uh, cool. go one nil, we'll go 1-0 down with a, with a calamity goal and then yeah. come back and win. Win two one after everyone's. What's, uh, what's the situation if um, if you do win there, and you know you win the next couple of games and Cox comes back? He's not he's not welcome, is he? No, I had this didn't I when I first started. I've been combined with when I first started this yeah, job. You had a uh, shock run, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, had a bad run, but yeah, you, you know what I mean. If you win Wednesday night, you you know you, you're knocking around the top ten. I know it's early doors, um, mm-hmm. and then if you go and beat Millwall on Saturday, who uh, who themselves are, are not having the best starts, you know, you got absolutely tonked by Leeds yesterday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but Coxie, I'm not too sure. Uh, you know, I'll be nice to him, but I'll have to give him uh, give him a bit of stick. I'm sure the Albion fans will give him a bit of stick if they win the next two games. You know, he's not back now until who was it after? Uh, I'm like, you know what? I don't even know. I don't even know the fixtures of my own teams, but I know we've got Preston at the end of the month. Um, I've got to say, you mentioned you mentioned Millwall. Sorry, to yeah, Preston. Um, 
Um, so if you were, have you seen the account Football Away Days? Before? I've seen it. Is this this video of him like all these fans? Oh, there's a guy. Fans. There's a guy against Leeds yesterday, and there's this guy. I mean, talk about boing boying. This guy's like bouncing up and down like a kid over the over the um, over the wall trying to give it to the Leeds fans. It's so yeah. funny, honestly. I mean, Millwall fans are definitely launched on themselves, but this this was definitely hilarious. This wasn't um, nasty. Well, I'm sure they were trying to be nasty, but oh, he was just jumping up and down. It's so funny. It's so bad. Um, I like to have a laugh at them, laugh and a joke at them, but yeah. maybe not to their faces when we're doing um, post-match videos with the fans. Yeah, funny old bunch. The only ground where I can never get to speak to away fans because the policeman won't let me through in case I get battled. They won't let you through. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, luckily that's on a bank holiday Monday, and I might just have to give you a little bit of a holiday request for that one towards the end Excellent. of the season. But yeah, home Excellent. game, you know, oh, I'd fully expect... If, if Albion, I think if Albion can take five points from these three games, I think it's mm. a pretty okay return. Then take yeah. seven. I think oh. it's fantastic. I think it's a fantastic return. And then you're heading to the end of the month where you're facing Preston. You go and get a, go and get something at Deepdale. Go and get a win at Deepdale. You know Preston are flying under Ryan Lowe. Um, you know that could really finish the month off well. But we'll see. Stick to the two this week. Um, back to back wins would be fantastic. Four points still be pretty good. Excellent. Well, I'll leave it to you to, to sign off, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. You know we've had to drag you over from the the bad side of the black country but another week another another result for Albion just the one on the road um, but as we say if we get three on Wednesday it's going to be set up nicely for uh, Millwall now this is the part of the pod Albion fans will know that me and Coxie sign off we say thanks for listening and we do our do a little boing boing and we get on our on our merry way but you know, see if we can get Judah to do it if Judah can do what? this then we'll uh, we'll clip it up and we'll tweet it but uh, Baggies fans as always thank you for listening no fan chat show this week because um, I'm off on Thursday and uh I'm, uh, I'm having my day off, but if you're uh, if you're in need of some uh, some pods, um, get over. You know, still part one or two of, of Pulis. Um, we're in talks with another manager and another former player, so hopefully we we'll get another, another good one before long. But until next time, thanks for listening. As we always say on the Baggies broadcast, have a good week and uh, boing boing. All's all's okay. Oh no.